welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rocha, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Reed Smith's Arbitral Insights podcast series. My name is James Wilne, and I'm a partner in Reed Smith's Energy and Resources Group based out of Dubai, where my area of expertise is the resolution of disputes on high value infrastructure and energy disputes by arbitration. It's my absolute pleasure to be joined today by Rohit Singhal, who is the managing director and founder of Massin. Rohit has over 24 years of international experience involving construction contract disputes, expert testimony, and project management. He has extensive arbitration and appointment experience and has been appointed as an expert witness more than 50 times on delay, technical, and quantum matters for construction arbitrations. Rohit, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James, and thanks a lot for inviting me to this podcast. It's my absolute pleasure to be here talking to you and to the other audience who are going to listen to me and you on on this important discussion of construction export related issues. Thanks a lot for this invite. Thank you. Thanks, Rohit. All right, absolute pleasure. So today's discussion with Rohit will very much center on his perspective as an expert witness within construction disputes resolved by arbitration. So Rohit, initially, what are your views on what tribunals want to see from the experts in both written reports and and indeed their oral testimony? So James, uh, you see, why are the experts engaged by the by the parties in the tribunal is primarily to help the tribunal to come to a right decision, a right award, and to decipher the dispute in such a fashion where decision-making becomes more easy and, and the right decisions are taken. Experts are basically people who understand, you know, their field. For example, you know, in construction dispute, there are complicated engineering matters, there are complicated delay matters, quantification matters and all, which probably the tribunal would need an external help of a person like an expert to for them to come to the right decision. So therefore, what tribunal expects from an expert is number one, independence, because the duty of the expert is not to the party who is engaging him or her, but it is towards the tribunal so that they can come to the right decision. They get to know what is right or wrong. For example, if you are acting as a delay expert, the tribunal would like to understand that out of hundreds of or a kitchen sink of delay events or issues which are pleaded by the parties and which one of them is the actual critical delay is the actual reason for causing delay to the project. If you are acting as a quantum expert, the tribunal would like to know whether the valuation and the quantification of the claims and counterclaims done by the parties, are they right? Are they properly supported by documents, evidence? And if not, then what should be the right quantification? So therefore, two most important things which tribunal is looking for. One is, of course, an independence because they would not like the expert to be biased 
and supporting the party who has engaged him or her and secondly a proper and a you know a, a, an elaborate detailed and easily written which a report a report which can be easily understood by the tribunal so that they can come to the right decision so same way on the testimony part when you are going to stand in front of the the tribunal and get cross examined what tribunal expects is that if the expert has submitted a report and he has taken some you know viewpoint and some stand then he or she is able to defend that stand in the uh, during the hearings during the cross examination and oral testimony and as part of that oral testimony the expert can also explain to the tribunal and to the uh, to the lawyers and the parties that what are his viewpoints and how he has come to that final ultimate conclusion which he's uh, drawing up in his report no i think you're absolutely correct there rohit and i think my my experience is clear and, and, and transparent views are, are absolutely vital for, for party appointed experts and i think sometimes a, a kind of willingness to admit when perhaps you don't know the answer or you're, or you're not clear and say that you know don't actually volunteer something that that you might not actually believe in i think tribunals actually accept and take on an expert's credibility if they're if they're happy to say well we couldn't find an answer on this one we'll, we'll try our best to assist the tribunal but an actual clear and final answer on this point wasn't actually available and i think that actually buys experts more credibilities with tribunals rather than actually try and volunteer information that they're not particularly clear on and i think you, you raise a really important point and it kind of leads into my my second question the independence of a party appointed uh, expert as you rightly say your your duty is inherent to the tribunal you're there to assist the tribunal but what challenges does that give to an expert when in fact he's receiving his his direct instructions from one particular client on on one particular side of the dispute what issues does that give you so james uh, you have put a very you know right question and appropriate question that what are the challenges when we as experts try to be independent and have to be independent and you know on the contrary we have an instruction and payment coming from the client so this puts uh, definitely you know us in a kind of a conflicting situation wherein the client who is making you know making our payment for the fee would expect us to support their case but then uh, that's where an expert has to understand that as i said his duty or her duty is towards the tribunal and it's not towards the client who is paying so therefore it has to be explained quite clearly to the client who is instructing you that what are the duties of the experts definitely a lot of this uh, comes from the instructing counsels or lawyers who are, who are issuing the instructions but still i have seen instances where you know the clients who are probably getting first time into arbitration or they are not very experienced on the concepts of independent expert they try to you know argue that how can you come out with a issue which is probably against their pleadings or against their position but that's where a good expert and an experienced expert would explain to the client and also the lawyers would also join join with the expert to explain to the client that the expert has to be independent in case the report is not independent and it is purely an out you know is supporting the case of the client even though the client's case is wrong the report is going to be you know discredited and probably rejected by the tribunal and then the damage which is going to be caused to the client's case would be far more than 
if you have an independent expert report so the challenge which comes to us is is that first of all making the client understand the role of an independent expert then the second challenge which comes quite quite often especially when you are acting for the respondent and even in claimants cases the availability of the documentation you know construction contracts are quite complex and they are very document heavy kind of contracts lot of exchange of letters and reports etc is there so uh, what i have seen uh, you know is that lot of times the record keeping is bad details are not available and i have been in instances where i i have to submit a report to the tribunal where i clearly say that i am not able to give assessment on a particular issue because of the non availability of sufficient documentation so that is the second set of uh, you know challenge which generally we see in construction contracts uh, and uh, by acting as construction experts but generally these are the two broad level and high level challenges which we fee- which we see when we are acting as experts yeah and i think that the point you raise about the the new client to arbitration is a really valid one because the reality is a client will see well i'm paying massin's bills aren't, aren't they on my side aren't they on my team and I, and i think that's where the the instructing lawyers such as myself can actually support and, and and assist you guys in in actually explaining that independence you know just because you've got a direct engagement with with the expert it doesn't mean they're on your team and actually you want that independence you want that set of third eyes on on your claim or or indeed your defense i personally get more nervous when an instructed expert is is almost too willing to assist that that actually gets my gets my guard up now i don't mind obviously if their 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 keenness to assist is is supported by valid backup but by valid evidence but when i can see an expert is almost trying too hard to support the client's claim that that makes me inherently very nervous because i know there may or may not be a time where he or she has got to give that evidence to the to the tribunal and and not to me and that's the real crux of things i always look 6 7 months down the line as to whether or not the expert reports the the kind of conversations i'm having with the expert say in january can they be tested at a at a hearing sort of 9 months 10 months down the line so you're absolutely right that independence i think is absolutely paramount to an expert throughout the proceedings and that kind of leads me again nicely into sort of my next question so where have you seen kind of good examples of party appointed expert performing well and where again not without giving any names away on this one but where have you seen an expert who's got it wrong and and why have they got it wrong so james there have been several instances where we have seen experts performing good experts coming to the help of the tribunal they are quite independent the reports are quite well laid out easy to explain and easy, easily written and you know kind of touching to the exact issues which are there in the dispute recently i was uh, you know in a arbitration uh, related to a building project the dispute was related to the last stage of completion related to the punch list so majority of the building was constructed and it was kind of a delay in the punch list which was uh, hampering the issuance of the completion certificate 
and the punch list was running in 2000s uh, so imagine 99% project is completed and it's only the last set of punch list points which are causing problem uh, and it's not that typical you know project where you have a typical critical path and analysis of delays basically assessment of the punch list and then when you have the last set of small small issues which are remaining it's very very difficult to come out with the critical path uh, but there you know we uh, we could see that the position of the parties both sides arguing that the punch list was issued late or you know uh, the other side respondent saying that uh, you the claimant took time or the contractor took time in 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 clearing the punch list so there i what was essential was to analyze only that set of punch list related delay rather than the overall project delay now what i found was that uh, unfortunately the expert on the other side probably you know analyzed the delay from the start of the project all the way till the 99% stage which was not an issue under dispute the dispute was primarily on the punch list related aspect rather than any delays which are taking place during the construction of superstructure substructure etc etc so there you see what is important is that the expert has to understand that what is the dispute all about now in case you know if i go as a planning expert and a delay expert and i do not understand what the dispute is all about and i do not understand what are the reliefs being claimed by the claimant and the respondent and i come up with an expert report which is completely 180 degree to what is being claimed as reliefs by the parties the expert report is not going to be of any help to the tribunal so this is one typical example where i am trying to point out that the expert has to understand that what the dispute is all about and then has to then you know give his uh, his his or her report in a fashion that which which deals with the issue of dispute rather than you know talking of things which are not under dispute i was literally just going to say the same thing towards the end there so my personal experience of where things start to go wrong for an expert is when they start volunteering answers to questions which they would they would they they shouldn't know that they were not even instructed on or it's simply not within their their realm of awareness and that's the real big one for me where i've seen a fantastic expert who's given me fantastic helpful reports independent impartial helpful clear has met with the the other side's expert has, has resolved issues between the two clear as crystal all the way through the process but at the time of oral testimony in the box under you know some pressure it's not a particularly pleasant experience giving oral testimony well for most people anyway but suddenly being asked questions which quite clearly they would not know the answer to as i say either they weren't instructed on it or they or they simply weren't there at the time when the, when the facts of the question arose but all of a sudden in the kind of the heat the pressure of a of a live tribunal suddenly volunteering answers that that one make no sense at all or or are so inherently wrong as to potentially be damaging and that's the, that's the big one for me and i have to say even with with seasoned experts the one thing i do say to them before they go in is just just answer the questions that you can answer don't don't feel the need to volunteer information that you don't know as as i said at the start of this presentation more often than not 
you will gain more credibility in the room if you say, I don't know. I, why would I know? I wasn't there. I'd, I wasn't instructed on this part. And that's the real, the real trap for me, I think, that, that experts can, can actually fall into. Finally then, and this is more of a, of a personal point for me going forward. So in terms of your client instructions, where you're instructed by myself or, or the lawyers, what do you like to see in your instructions to an expert? What are the key things you like to see in that instruction document? So James, uh, you know, what we are looking for is a clear set of instructions. What I've seen quite often is that the instructions are not clear and you know, then as we move and we prepare our draft report and submit our report to, uh, you know, for factual checks and for to the lawyers to review, you find that, uh, you know, additional instructions are being given. Or else what is happening is that the instructions sometimes are not in sync with the uh, matters of dispute and they are generic instructions uh, which are not helpful at all. And many a times I've also seen that sometimes, you know, let's say if I, I'm acting as a, a quantum expert and I'm instructed only to assess the, you know, four or five claims and um, the other set of four or five claims I'm not instructed to to assess, then, of course, uh, you know, that also puts you in a little bit of awkward situation during the oral testimony where you say, I have been instructed only to assess five claims, I have not been instructed to assess the balance five claims, or I have been instructed to assess claims and not the counterclaims. So, you know, what we are always looking for is a clear set of instructions which are in sync with the dispute, which are in sync with the reliefs claimed by the parties. And as part of the instructions, we also look for what are the documents to be relied upon. You know, like for example, in case it's a memorial type of submission arbitration, then, you know, what all documents are available. Many a times, you know, the expert and lawyers are engaged together in a memorial type of submission. So there again, you know, it becomes kind of difficult for the lawyers to give instructions in the beginning. But then as they go through the case, they develop the instructions. So, uh, you know, in nutshell, what we are looking for is a clear set of instructions. What are, is what is required from the expert? What should be his or her outcome and conclusion? That's what is, you know, we are looking for. I think you make an absolutely fantastic point about the evolution of the instruction document between the, the client and the expert. Because like you say, sometimes at the very start of these projects and these disputes, we as the instructing client on behalf of the client, we're not hugely clear on, on what that instruction is. It's early days. We know there's been some problems. We know there's been delay. We know there's probably some costs from that delay. But in terms of where we should apply the expert, it's unclear to us. So I think you make a great point that there needs to be an evolution of those instructions as you go forward. And I find the best experts that I work with will actually put their hand up sort of three to four months in and say, James, look, you know, our position has slightly changed in terms of what you've asked us to do. It's probably time to take a bit of a sense check on those instructions and, and get those amended because you're quite right if you get to the final hearing and you know potentially the other side are speaking things about what you you might not even looked at it can all get very embarrassing so that evolution of the instruction document i think the helpful expert who reaches out to the client and and asks for updated instructions always goes down fantastically well with me i think that's a that's the nature of a true partnership so that's actually, that's all of our questions for today, Rohit. And I have to say that was fantastic. Really, really, really helpful. So thank you very much for coming in today. 
Thank you, James. It's been an absolute pleasure to be part of this podcast and thanks a lot. So that concludes today's episode of Arbitral Insights, which is an insight into how a construction expert is instructed on matters. Hopefully that's of use to listeners, where of course this can be picked up on wherever you get your podcast from, be it Spotify, be it Apple. Thank you very much and, and see you all soon. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the Reed Smith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on reedsmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.